What up, Night Nation? On today's One Night Stand podcast, it's tailgate season. We're going to go over our ultimate tailgate survival tips. Money Moo recaps his picks of the week and has a couple more for this weekend. I've got some NFL picks, and we're going to talk AP rankings, Power 6, Knights in the NFL. And we took to Twitter to gather some of our followers' predictions for the game Saturday versus SC State. All right, let's get started. This is One Night Stand. What up, guys? It's Thursday, September 6th. I'm UCF Problems. This is Money Moo. We got UCF in at number 19 in the AP poll, up two spots from number 21 last week, just ahead of other group of five team, Boise State, and just behind number 18, Mississippi State. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the rankings. We move up to number 19, which some of you guys are unhappy with, but come on. At this point, you can't act surprised. I mean, we moved up two spots. Honestly, I thought we had a chance to not pass Miami, so it was actually better than I thought. And, you know, we're sitting here at 19. We're in the top 20. It's week two. We've only played one week of football. Remember, last year, we didn't get ranked until week four. So, I mean, I think this is great. What do you think? Yeah, no, Michigan really dropped a lot farther than I thought they would. Notre Dame, I think they were number 12 last week. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the game, they got worked. You know, Notre Dame really took it to them. The final but, score was only 24-17, to 17, but the game wasn't anywhere yeah. near that close. Also, Michigan could do absolutely nothing on offense. They got a a kicker, a punt return for a touchdown. That was basically all they had the whole game. There were three writers who didn't have us ranked. One of them was Soren Petro. You may remember him as the writer from Kansas City that had us ranked 10th and Auburn 6th last year in his final rankings after we beat Auburn. Wait, after we beat them? After we beat Auburn. I mean, this guy clearly has it out for us. He's left us out of his AP ballot for the second week in a row. When confronted on Twitter, he said he had us at 28th. He was kind of getting in a back and forth with Brandon Helwig of UCFSports.com, and he invited Brandon on his show today. They taped it at 10 this morning, and and it's going to be played later. So I'm interested to see if Brandon really puts him on the spot. I hope he does. You know, Maybe we'll earn a vote next week because we've got some pretty compelling evidence as why we should at least be on the top 25. There was one other writer that left us out of his top 25. His name was John Benrotowski from the Marietta Deli. <laughs> from the <laughs> what do you fucking work at Kroger? <laughs> from the Marietta Daily Journal, somewhere in Alabama. Night fan Jason Neal sent him an email confronting him and asking him why he didn't rank UCF. And the response he got was, "Hi Jason, you were right." I made a mistake. UCF should have been ranked, but it is not near a top 10 team. Thanks for your email. All right, so the dude owned up a little bit. Yeah, and honestly, I was really shocked that he got any kind of response, but Jason, night fan Jason, thank you because you just earned us maybe a couple extra votes in the final poll. Yeah, and if you did, if you guys didn't know, the AP poll is based on a number of newspaper it's writers. 61 writers around the country it's not like some science computer thing yeah this is this is not the bcs this is just these 61 writers voting on who they think sh- should be in the top 25 it's just an opinion it's not fact i mean this ain't no collie matrix but it is a huge uh thing it, that the 
it is a huge influence. It is a huge influence on the college football playoff committee, which in the end decides who gets in the college football playoff. And basically, the people in the college football playoff committee don't watch any of the games. We learned that last year. They yeah. know nothing about college football. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Ninety-five percent yeah. of what what they're looking at is the AP poll. Yeah, and they look at what do the top four teams do, and then if one of them drops out, then they look at the team number five because clearly they didn't look anywhere outside the top ten last year, or else we would have been there way before January first. So really, I mean, in in a popularity contest, almost nights we could start. Sort of like a grassroots movement, I guess, <laughs> if you want to start emailing these guys. But we really need to limit the negativity, you know, not be mad, not be Let's whatever. not clog their email, but let's give them constructive criticism via Twitter. No name calling, uh, no cussing at them, because that's just going to make UCF, who already people kind of have a grudge up for, that's just going to make us unliked even more in some of these guys' heads. Now, some guys do like us. There was one writer that put us number six. Um Good for him because I, I feel like we're a top ten team. It's just not the the popular consensus among voters. There's a huge. There, I feel like there's a huge grudge too. You know, people that either love us or hate us. the country is just waiting for us to lose one game. Yeah, and not just everyone around the country, but the teams we play too. It's like a little extra motivation to knock off the. This is me doing an impression, quote unquote, national champs. But anyway, we're ranked nineteen. I like it. It should be better, but it, it also could be a lot worse. Another thing that uh, stuck out to me is uh, Brett McMurphy put UF 18 on his ballot and UCF 23, which makes no sense. UF just beat down uh, Georgia Southern, I think, but Charleston Southern. Charleston Southern. Sorry, not any better than Georgia Southern. But. Yeah, well, Georgia Southern isn't that the team they lost to three years ago? They did, and I think that they lost to Georgia Southern. I think it was like 26 to 20, Georgia Southern, 0 for 3. Georgia State. Maybe it was Georgia Southern. It's Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern was 0 for 3 in passing on the day, and they still beat Florida 26 to 20. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Didn't complete a pass, but yet still beat the Mighty Gators. Yep. Bad times over in Gainesville. Anyway, not much other movement on the AP poll, though. There wasn't a ton of upsets. The uh, I would just like to say the only other American team that at least received votes was not in the top twenty-five, but Memphis received six votes. Okay, what in, does that put in them the at? AP poll, I believe it, it puts them at thirty-six. Okay, uh, but at least they're in the conversation. That's something because you know every week they win, they're going to continue to move up. And that reminds me, last year after week two, we started to be in the others receiving votes. And then it was like, you know, we're all of a sudden we're 30th, we're 27th, right on the cusp. And then we finally got that ranking. But that was week four. So definitely in a better position than last year. Although our strength of schedule is not shaping up to be anywhere near as decent. I don't even want to say good as it was last year. It wasn't great. I think we're in like the 70s. But right now I haven't looked, but I'm pretty sure we're like dead last. Although only one week of games. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Right now, let's do a little Power 6 update. Moo, how did our conference fare this week? So here's a quick Power 6 update. Other scores around the American. First game, Houston 45, Rice 27. The next game, Temple going down at home to FCS Villanova, the basketball school, 19-17. I didn't didn't even know they had a football team. You remember what you said on our first podcast? Temple, not a sexy name, but they might come in here and do some damage. I did. Well, 
Hey, that's why they play the games. Right, looking at it right now, I was completely wrong. However, Bennett. so you never know. Don't sleep on Temple. All right, what else do we have? The next game we have our friends to the West, South Florida playing Elon. They only won 34-14, which seems a kind of minuscule. The next game we have Memphis, our huge rival, against Mercer. Memphis put up 66 points. 56 of which was in the first half as it was 56 to nothing wow against mercer the one spotlight of the week was cincinnati at ucla spoiling chip kelly's coming home, out party coming out party his home debut cincinnati which we really weren't that high on cincinnati no, at, at I, the beginning of the season they didn't look i mean we put up like 60 points on them in three quarters so last it, year is that cincinnati is above what we thought they were or is ucla like way I, I, down in the dumps maybe a little bit of both maybe the la lifestyle chip couldn't handle the party scene or he's still getting adjusted to it yeah either way cincinnati wins 26 17 helping our strength of schedule out the next game, North Texas puts a beat down on SMU 46-23. SMU scoring tw- all 23 points in the fourth quarter. Ooh, that's not a good look. The other game is Hawaii beating Navy 59-41. Hawaii was, I think, 3-9 and last year, but they've really turned it around. Their first game was an upset. This game was an upset. Navy was favored by like nine points. I lost a few bucks on that. Hopefully I think it was is... even more. I, I really think they were favored by like 14. Really? Yeah. Well, hopefully this is a case of Hawaii being really, really good and not Navy being bad. Although Navy plays Memphis this week, and I'd like to see Memphis win that game, but I'd like to see Navy obviously win out besides their game against us. And the final game in the American, East Carolina at home, dropping to North Carolina A&T, 28-23. And I mean, this game, it's a bad loss, but if you if you watched it... Who watched it? Well, I watched the highlights, and in the first half, they had a pick six. They were on the other team's two-yard line through a pick six, and then they fumbled again in the red zone. Then at the end of the game, they're driving, have a chance to score, throw a pass just short of a first down. The guy should have honestly dropped it to stop the clock. Um, they try to get up the line of scrimmage to spike the ball, and they have an injured player. So while they're getting him off, they forgot to substitute in. Some guy just ran in on the field, but then he didn't know where to line up, and the clock ran out. It was, oh, actually, you know what? I saw yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> was, the, it was ugly. Highlights on SportsCenter. That was just It horrible. was ugly. All right, now let's do a little update on our strength of schedule. We talked about the Power Six American Conference teams, how they did. Let's talk about some of our other opponents this year. UNC went over to Cal, lost 24-17, to although the game wasn't as close as the score. They were down two touchdowns for most of that game, actually. UNC plays a mutual opponent of ours, ECU, this week at ECU before they return home just a few miles away to play us the week after that. Also, last week, Pitt had a 33-7 win against Albany, and then we had the FAU game. So let's use, let's segue into Money Moves Picks of the Week recap. Okay, first, let me just talk about this FAU team. This is a team that we talked about last week on the opening podcast, and this was a team that... I didn't really know a whole lot about. I knew, you know, mostly that their running back was really, really good. He was quote unquote in the Heisman hunt, but this was the most atrocious showing of a football team that I think I've ever seen. And this is another one. I mean, they scored 17, but 
it, it was in the end with like the third stringers ran for Oklahoma. It was it was bad, and I don't know if Oklahoma was just good. FAU overrated. I mean, I bought into the hype, and I think and that's hype with an H Y P E, not the cool hype. I bought into it. I think the rest of the country did. Everyone was expecting FAU to be some kind of decent team. I lost money on them last week too, so. Yeah, I think we all did if you listened to Money Moves picks <laughs> last week. But I think this is a classic case of FAU being extremely overrated and Oklahoma being extremely underrated because yeah. I thought there would be a huge drop-off with right. Baker Mayfield going to the NFL. Right, some kind of transition to Kyler Murray, but he looked just as good. No, I mean, I thought they looked better. Yeah. When, you know, when you're playing a team that's as bad as FAU was, I guess it's easy to look good. But they look good on both sides of the ball. And going back to FAU, all three phases of their game, I mean, special teams, horrible. They had a punt blocked, and a couple others were almost blocked. Uh-huh. Their defense was horrible. The offense could do nothing. And, yep. I mean, what is this team? It was a good all-around team loss. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully that was just a bad showing. I heard that they didn't even really have their best quarterback out there. So hopefully they get it together a little bit and you know put a better product on the field for everyone to see and maybe turn the season around. You know, still a lot of football left to play, but we need them to to kind of turn it around to help our strength of schedule later in the season. I mean, when you have Lane Kiffin going on the Dan- was it the Dan Patrick show? Uh I think so. So yeah. Lane Kiffin went on the Dan Patrick show and was quoted as saying, "We have no chance against Oklahoma." Now, see, I thought that was just like one of his little Kiffinisms where he like is trying to, you know, like a little bait and switch thing. We're trying to make them think, you know, let their guard down and then boom, pulls out the the trick plays or something like that and comes out them hot, 14 to nothing. And to somehow up. some way I actually believed you when you yeah. said that. I I don't know. I mean, I guess it was just too dumb of a quote to be true. Or maybe that was his plan and it just never worked out. All right, and how did your other picks end up doing? Yeah, so FAU was a loss last week. wasn't the greatest of weeks. Still went two with two and three. West Virginia and UCF easily covered their two spreads. However, the losers were Miami. What was I thinking? <laughs> Louisville, not great either. And FAU, that was just god awful. All right, so you're two and three, not terrible. What are your picks for this week? All right, guys, we're gonna have back in the wing column this week. We only have four picks this week. I wanted to stretch it to five. I was looking for a fifth, but Prob said to not stretch. No, we want to do quality over quantity. This isn't 2 a.m. at library. You're not just trying to take home anything. You want the good quality picks here. Exactly. So number one, we got Mississippi State minus nine at Kansas State. We're taking Mississippi State minus nine. Now, last week, if you weren't paying attention, which you probably weren't, uh, Kansas State barely eked out a win over South Dakota. They won 27-24, but they were actually down 24-12 to South Dakota Ouch. with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Wait, South Dakota State or South Dakota? No, South Dakota State is Car- Carson Wentz. Yeah. Is where Carson went. No, they're like perennial <laughs> FCS champions. Exactly. No, this is regular old South Dakota, the there, Coyotes. There's enough students in South Dakota to warrant two universities. They must get a bunch of out-of-state. Oh, so <laughs> top anyway. out-of-state destination right there. So anyway, Kansas State was favored by 24 points in this game, uh-huh. and they barely won by three to South Dakota. So you think there's some value there? I think there's extreme value on Mississippi State. Mississippi State easily won their game last week. Their quarterback threw five touchdowns. The model that I use is saying that it should be Mississippi State 
favored by 15. So you're getting six points of value here. I like I it. I would take Mississippi State on the road, ranked 18, minus the nine. I like it. What else do you got for me? The second game I have, this is my game of the week, Texas A&M plus 12 against Clemson. Texas A&M in College Station getting 12 points, unranked, against the number two team in the country, the Clemson Tigers. Are you sure about this? An unranked team? I know they're playing at home, College Station, one of the tougher stadiums to go in and pull out a victory, but this is Clemson. I mean, they've been in the college football playoffs the last two years. I feel like the public bet will see Clemson as a number two, Texas A&M unranked, only 12 points, yeah. and be hammering on Clemson. That's I wouldn't the- be surprised. You might want to wait until the very last minute to put this pick on. It could go to 12, 12 and a half, or maybe even 13. But last week, the Texas A&M running back, Travian Williams, had 240 yards, three tutties, and for Clemson... They have a little bit of a quarterback controversy. I mean, it's not really a quarterback controversy when you have two really good quarterbacks. I mean, this isn't exactly Ireland when we had Pete DeNovo versus Justin Holman. I mean, both these guys are good. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Okay, so it's not quite that bad. So Clemson's so-called starter, Kelly Bryant, was 11 of 17 with only one touchdown. However, Trevor Lawrence only completed nine passes for his entire stint in the game. Yeah, but have you seen his hair, though? Woo! I haven't. I'll have to. Oh, man, there's some locks. But Trevor Lawrence did have three touchdowns on those nine completions. So we're going to take Texas A&M plus 12. That's my game of the week. All right, I'll take it. The next game we have, which made UCF props kind of cringe just because, which is our biggest contender for the New Year's Six Bowl automatic bid. Yeah, I'm just going to say I will not be betting on Boise State at all. I'm going to take Boise State minus 31 against fellow opponent UConn, who we beat by 39 points last week. And see, here's the thing. I don't care what your system says. If we're undefeated and Boise's undefeated, and at the end of the season, these stupid people are trying to figure out these rankings, because there's not much to compare us. We all have almost all different opponents. They're going to look at our one mutual opponent, UConn, and be like, UCF beat them by 39. Boise either beat them by 40 or Boise beat them by 20. And that's going to be one of the main ways they compare and decide who's better and who gets to go to the NY6 game. So, I mean, I hope you win your bet. But at the same time, I I really hope they either lose or only win by a small amount. But I guess it's a win-win. No, I completely agree. That's why Boise State, I think, is going to win by 35, and we win the bet, and we won, We beat UConn by more. And we just, you know, Boise State will probably lose another game down the line. I think they play BYU and, and a couple other teams that are good. So we'll win the bet, and then they'll lose later, and we'll, we'll all be okay. Everyone's happy. Absolutely. So my fourth and final pick, we're going to take Arizona State plus six against number 15, Michigan State. Now, Michigan State really had to rally back last week against a horrible Utah State uh, game at home. It's really hard to get up for a road game when you play a much tighter than expected home game. You know, you really start questioning, like, how good you really are. And not only that, I mean, you know, these these kids are trying to focus on their next game, and all the media is going to be talking about is, you know, why did you do so bad last week against Utah State, blah, 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 which is, like, the last thing you want to hear as a player. Not only that, the coaches are probably going to be going over this tape with them all week, and it's really just going to have this negative energy. So I, I, I like this pick here. I like this pick. I think Michigan State is, is going to lose one here soon. Yeah, and even better, the game starts at 1045. So right after the UCF game is over, you got to rally right to the bar 
You can watch this game while celebrating a UCF win. Yeah, if you're alive by then. You might have to drag me and hold my head up at the bar. But, yeah, go uh, – wait, who is it? Arizona State. <laughs> but, yeah, go Arizona State. <laughs> <laughs> so, Arizona State also, their new, head, their new head coach, Herm Edwards, one of his more famous quotes is, nothing good happens after midnight. Except them winning. And another one of his quotes is, you play to win the game. So, in case you're wondering, Herm Edwards – does not play to lose the game. He plays to win. He's a winner, and I hope we've got four winners from Money Moo. So there it is. It's the Money Moo picks of the week. We're going to recap them real quick. We got Mississippi State minus 9, Texas A&M plus 12, Boise State minus 31, and Arizona State plus the 6. Let's, let's get, get that, that money. money. All right, let's move on to a little bit of a different segment. It's tailgate season, so we're going to give you guys our ultimate tailgate survival tips. We are professional tailgaters, and we figure since it's been about nine months since you've tailgated, we give you a couple little pointers to help get you through Saturday. Go ahead, Moo. All right, guys, tailgating season is back, and tailgating starts at 12 p.m. with the first ceremonial shotgun beer of the season. So number one, drink plenty of water. Probs, you really don't want to be the loser that passes out the first game. I did that once, okay? So dehydration is a serious issue, especially for the first game being in September, and it's like 105 degrees out in Central Florida. So the really cool thing that SGA provides is these huge filtered water coolers at Memory Mall to keep tailgaters hydrated. Just bring your own bottle to fill it up. All right, I like that. Stay hydrated. It's healthy. So my first tip is... A little something I like to call the death mix. My motto goes, you stay alive with the death mix. So what I do is that I take... That doesn't rhyme. I, said my, <laughs> I didn't say it rhymed. stay alive with the death mix. <laughs> a motto should rhyme, right. should it not? So I like to take a one-gallon water jug, dump it out. I take a 750 of vodka, pour that in. Two cans of sugar-free Red Bull. Two G2 sugar-free Gatorades. Then you fill the rest with water and put it in the freezer for a couple hours. So it's got a nice, cold, icy center. It keeps it cold the entire time so you don't have to deal with like your warm beer when you're carrying around a case. And it also keeps you hydrated because as you drink it, you're getting all the electrolytes from the Gatorade. You're going to be awake from all the Red Bull. And you're going to get a little drunk too. Now, I know what you're thinking. A 750 of vodka is a lot. Yes, that is 17 shots. But trust me, it takes a long time to get through this gallon. And over the six-hour span, you won't be able to drink it that fast. It's the perfect balance of drunk, alive, and hydrated to keep you going through the tailgate. And trust me, it's worked out well for me in the past. Yeah, I'm going to have to vouch for this. When we were up in Ann Arbor for the Michigan-UCF game a couple years ago, this worked. It really did work. I I feel like, Probs, you were the perfect amount of (laughs) not blacked out. Yep. But you know, still able to function, but you were still fun. It's hard to get drunk, and trust me, I, I, I can, I have another side to me, but it's hard to get super drunk when you're drinking that much Gatorade and ice and stuff mixed in with it too, and you're not going to end up hungover, you're going to be the perfect drunk. Now, I might have ended up taking like $120 Uber to Detroit that day, but I don't want to get into that. It was a good time nonetheless. <laughs> anyway, what's your next tip? <laughs> So the second tip that I have is to just pace yourself. Like I said, the tailgating starts at noon this week for a 6.05 kickoff. I mean, think about it. You usually get to the bar like around 10, 10.30. 
you know, you're done. Last call is pretty much 1.30. This is only about three hours. So you have to be able to rally for yeah. six straight hours. And then stay conscious during the game. Yeah, so don't try and be all big and bad at the beginning doing, like, shotguns and natty light and a bunch of fireball shots. You know, eat some damn breakfast if you wake up early enough. And, you know, grill out or even get some Jimmy John's delivered. And, yes, they actually will come right up to your tent with a sandwich. It's pretty cool. That's great advice. And one other thing I'd like to add to that is if you're underage, do not drink out in public. And definitely don't drink at Memory Mall. This is the first tailgate. They're going to be IDing anyone that looks under 25. It's not worth it. You're going to get a written arrest. It costs you a couple hundred bucks, and then you're going to get in trouble with student conduct. So it's kind of like double jeopardy, but they're allowed to get away with it. You don't want to start your school career off like this. Just don't do it. If you're going to drink, don't do it in front of everyone. Trust me, just avoid the hassle. Yeah, we're going to reiterate that we do not condone any drinking by anyone under the age of 21. However, if you make that conscious decision that you would like to... If I were underage and I wanted to drink, I wouldn't do it at Memory Mall. None of you should do it, but I'm just saying what I would do if I were underage. Hypothetically, only for me, not you. Okay, so let's get into my second tip, or I guess second and a half tip. This is more of a personal thing, might not affect everyone, but I like to bring, you know, take a little Ziploc baggie and put a couple baby wipes in there because, you know, you're going to be outside, it's hot, drinking a lot. Uh, you know, alcohol in the stomach starts bubbling up and stuff, and you might have to make a little quick run to the porta potty. And it's crappy toilet paper. The seat might be dirty. There's nothing better than a nice, cool baby wipe. So, you know, just kind of rinse off your bottom and uh, make you feel good, or else you're gonna be running around itchy and kind of scratching your butt for the rest of the tailgate. And it won't be comfortable when you sit down in the stadium either. All right, so listen to Money Moo. He's got a way better idea. So depending on where you're at in Memory Mall, if you're closer to CFE Arena or you're closer to the Student Union, both have clean bathrooms available. So if you're closer to the Student Union, you know the bathrooms are clean and there's clean bathrooms in there. It's a good time to take a break from the outside elements. Get know, in the shade a little bit. Get, out get of the some heat. AC. Get out of the heat. Or if you're closer to the CFE Arena at Memory Mall... The bathrooms are right by the front doors. Just ask and you'll find them. So if you're close to the Arena Memory Mall, I think you can go kind of on the side there, maybe by like Jimmy John's. I think there's like a tunnel you can get in the arena. So don't be like Probs and just... You know, when you got to go, you got to go. You don't want to have a little accident. I haven't had one of those for a couple years. So uh, better safe than sorry when it comes to that. All right, what's your third tip, Moo? So the third tip is the UCF March to Victory this is the part where the band marches down Memory Mall. You've probably seen them before. This is one hour prior to the kickoff, and they're marching down Memory Mall towards the stadium. This is a great reminder and kind of a, like a hype-up moment that it's time to clean up all your stuff and chug your last beer in case you lose track of time because it's ready to go to the game. All right, and my last tip is... Bring a little, a couple of those little mini shots, just a tailgate, not into the stadium. I repeat, not into the stadium. But if you have them there in your pocket, in case you happen to sober up at any point during the afternoon, you can, you know, get a little bit more drunk. Now, you don't want to get too drunk, though, because no one likes it when you just kind of black in in the middle of the third quarter and don't remember the first half. But just saying, just in case, you might want to have a little emergency shot or two. Have in your pocket at any point, not in the stadium, uh, to, you know, get your buzz back a little bit. All right, that's it for our tailgate tips of the week. Guys, go out, have fun, be responsible, and make sure you come to the game. 
We need a sellout stadium to support our UCF Knights. All right, so we've got an update on our Knights in the NFL. Shaquem Griffin, as we mentioned on last podcast, will be starting at weak side linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks this week. Also, Jordan Franks was cut from the Bengals, cleared waivers, and then was signed to the Bengals practice squad. Same thing with Jemias Pittman and the Dolphins. Uh, and the way that works is they cut the rosters from 75 to 53 Once they do that cut, those 22 players are on waivers for any other team to pick up. If no one picks them up, then the team can pick 10 of those guys to sign to their practice squad. So Jordan Franks is on the Bengals practice squad. Jemias Pittman on the Dolphins. Congratulations to them. And unfortunately, Aaron Evans was not signed to the practice squad, but he did receive by Pro Football Focus, who is the number one analytics rater of individual players in pro football, they rated Aaron Evans as the top offensive guard rookie in all of preseason. So even though he's not on a team now, he's technically a free agent. I think it's just a matter of time, whether it's an injury or whatnot, before he gets scooped up by another team. So good for him. You know, We had a great showing this year in the NFL. We'll keep you updated on that from week to week. All right, let's move on. Real quick, I've got my NFL locks of the week. Uh, I won't get too in-depth with this, but I've got two picks for you. My first one is I like the Broncos minus three at home versus Seattle. Unfortunately, I know Shaquem's first game. I was going to bet big on this originally when the line came out a while back. I think Seattle is just completely depleted on defense. You know, Besides the Griffins, they've lost a ton of talent in the last year. I know Earl Thomas just ended his holdout. I think Seattle's really just in still a bit of a rebuild mode, especially on their with their offensive linemen also. I think the Broncos really underperformed last year. Started off good, just kind of fell off with their quarterback issues. Seemed like the team kind of gave up when they couldn't have anyone throw a pass decently. But the Broncos are good. They've got a great new quarterback, Case Keenum. I think they're going to be good, and I think this minus three is definitely some value. My Bro, up. you're really going to bet against Shaquem Griffin? Hey, you're betting against, or you're betting for Boise, man. You know what? My head and my heart are in two different places, and at the end of the day, it can end up being a win-win. Shaquem can have a lights-out game, and they can still lose. You know how many people have bet against Shaquem Griffin in their life? I'm not betting against Shaquem Griffin. I'm betting against the whole team, Russell Wilson, the old line the, the stupid 12th man. Not everyone. All right, you're right. Okay, so maybe the Se- maybe the Seahawks lose, but Shaquem, you know, has a couple sacks. At least double-digit tackles, definitely. I'll take that. All right, and then my next game, and I feel even more confident about this, we've got the L.A. Rams at the Oakland Raiders. The Rams are minus four. The Raiders are a complete shit show right now. John Gruden is coming in there with his, like, 1980s mentality. He's lost the team already by trading Khalil Mack, their best defensive player, who he didn't even have communication with barely since he took the job. He's took over as the de facto GM from their great GM, Reggie McKenzie, who's done a great job of rebuilding this team. When He, he took over a team that was in a salary cap crisis and turned him into a really good team with some great draft picks over the years. And Gruden's kind of coming in and messing it all up. From what I heard, I mean, his offense is just super complicated. The plays are like, take 10 seconds just to repeat. Dudes just live in 20 years in the past, and the Rams were great last year, and they got even better this offseason. Uh, they signed Ndamukong Sue. They loaded up on defense. They got Brandon Cooks over on offense. They signed all their players to long-term deals. They are in it this year to win it, and I think this game is going to be a blowout. Raiders, though, four-point home dogs. You're, you're liking the Rams here? I really, really do. I mean, like I said... 
the Raiders, you know, new coach is always a red flag. Locker room issues. I mean, the players were tweeting after the trade, like confused and, and upset tweets because this was their captain, their leader of their defense, best defensive player on the team. So everyone was kind of upset about it. Would you say that Gruden lost the locker room? Not lost the locker room, but you come in and you make a big change like that. He definitely lost a little respect, I think. Now, it's still early, but what I saw him do to the Bucks from a personnel standpoint, I mean, he, he went in and inherited a loaded team from Tony Dungy that should have won a Super Bowl. And even though he won a Super Bowl with them, he got worse and worse and worse every year. The Raiders didn't finish that good last year, and I think they're just going to regress this year. And the Rams got a lot better. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like... You know, the Rams minus four on the road. Not a far trip to Oakland either. So my two picks, Broncos minus three at home versus the Seahawks and Rams minus four on the road against the Raiders. And I might have a couple more picks to tweet out later. I uh, still got a little bit of research to do, but these are two that really, really stood out for me and I feel very confident in heading into the weekend. Yeah, so make sure to follow us on Twitter Yep, you guys probably follow me, but it's at UCF underscore problems, and Moo is at Money Moo UCF. All right, now for our last segment, UCF game predictions. These were sent in by you, our awesome listeners. Moo, start it off. Well, I'm looking at some of these, and thank you very much for all the responses. Uh, I'd have to say my number one response has got to be from Keith Helbrand, and he says three UCF players will rush for 100-plus yards, and probs, I really think that's a good bet. I mean, that would be nice, but again, that's 300 yards that aren't credited to Mackenzie Milton's. I mean, as good as it sounds, I'd rather be, us be passing the ball more. All right, let me go. This is from Stephen Pertle. Tristan Hill scores a touchdown. I like that. I like it when a big man scores. You get the big man catch. You get the big man dance. You get a little boogie-woogie. The celebration's awesome. Tristan Hill scores a touchdown. Steven Pertle, I like your prediction. And Tristan did have a nice tackle for loss in the last game where he showed a little bit of his dance moves. He moved his hips a little bit, so I, I gave it like a 6 out of 10. We'll see what he's got cooked up for us this game. Okay, George, not to be confused with George O'Leary, <laughs> George underscore UCF. The only thing he said was 80-0. to zero. Didn't say if it was going to be the Knights winning or South Carolina State winning. Hmm, but I, I wonder <laughs> who's winning 80-0. to zero. Pretty sure he meant UCF 80-0. to zero. I think it's a good bet. All right. I've got one from Mike MD Knight 2016. He says, Otis Juice ends one touchdown shy of the cycle. He has a return, a rushing, and a receiving touchdown. Would just need a passing touchdown to hit the big four there. I like that prediction, Mike. And Drake Wickstrom says, Trey Nixon scores four touchdowns before halftime. We go to the locker room up by 40. I can get down with that, although I'd like to see us spread the ball around more. But you know what? It's a team sport, and no matter who scores, we get the same points on the board. All right. Uh, Brandon Shannon here says, UCF scores a touchdown on offense, defense, and special teams. That's something I'd really like to see because later down the road in some of our harder games, I think special teams and defensive touchdowns are going to be a key. You remember USF last year, special teams, kind of a big deal. And last but not least, Jack Edwards with, I think, the tweet of the night, nobody gets hurt. That is something I would really, really like to happen. So let's hope for that. All right. So those are some good predictions. Thanks a lot for sending those in. That was fun. Moo, what's your prediction for the game? So my prediction for the game, last week, Georgia State beat South Carolina State 37-6. to And when using my trusted model, UCF against Georgia State, 
would be minus 38 in the Vegas lines. So you're saying we would win 38 nothing. We would win by 38 points against Georgia State. So what's your prediction? Though? So Georgia State beat South Carolina State 37 to 6. Oh, I see. So transitive property kind of like we beat Auburn Auburn no. <laughs> Auburn it, beat Georgia and Alabama. Exactly. So you add them together and for rounding purposes, I would say it's probably going to be UCF 77 South Carolina State Three. Ooh, see, you had me at 77, but lost me with the three. We're pitching a shutout this week. No missed tackles, no points. Doesn't matter if it's special teams, defense, whatever. We're going to win 66 to zero. And that's only because we really take our foot off the gas pedal at the end and, you know, start using up the play clock because we don't want to run up the score and look like dickheads. All right, so that's our show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your submissions. We had fun. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week for the game recap and a preview of North Carolina. One thing real quick, if you're making a trip to North Carolina and if you haven't planned on already, you should. I'm throwing a party at Might As Well, the largest bar on Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. Might As Well, starting at 7 p.m. that Friday night. It's going to be a good time. 350 well drinks, $4 fireball, $5 32-ounce beers. It's going to be a good time. Come get drunk with me. I'll buy you a shot. Make sure you guys come to the game. We'll definitely be out there. 12.01 for that ceremonial first shotgun of the beer. Let's go. Go Knights. Charge on.